Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2,471. Today, we're going to have some fun, so be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in Studio City, California, which is appropriate for this guest. Sounds like TVs and movies and all of that. His name is Michael May. Michael, welcome to Cars Yeah. Do you have any gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? I'm ready. All right, we'll have some fun. So an icebreaker I do here before I introduce you and we get into your world is this. Tell us one little thing about yourself that most people don't know. You know, I bake when I get stressed. Bake? Yeah, okay. I bake. I enjoy to bake. It started when I was a teenager. I don't know how, and I didn't tell anybody for a long time because I thought I would get made fun of, but I love to bake. <laughs> well, I love to eat baked goods, so we'll get along fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, my daughter did a lot of that, and I always loved it, you know, cookies and breads and things yeah, like that. Yeah. And my next door neighbor, who's a retired pilot, really into baking bread, all different kinds of bread, so he'll bring over a big loaf of bread. Probably he's brought over too many uh, compared to what the scale tells me in the mornings. But uh, yeah, it's fun. Well, that's interesting. What is it about that that reduces stress is it the focal point of something that you can forget about everything else i think it is you know it's funny because i never thought about it as a stress reliever until like the last four or five years and it occurred to me it was like oh i really like to do this while i'm stressed and i hadn't connected the dots and i think it's like some people paint and some people you know build model cars or whatever it is i feel like it's the focus you get your mind off of other things and you get to create something. And I think that's a, that's a big part of it, too, because you actually get to fulfill and finish something. I do experiment when I bake, which is not good, because sometimes <laughs> I'll make something incredibly delicious and amazing, but I won't remember exactly how I made it. Or I'll mess it all up and it'll be terrible. But I love to, I love to play around with it. I had a guest on the other day that he was into Legos. Yeah. And yeah. that was his way. He went through a lot of uh, depression and found Legos was a way to focus in on something mm -hmm. and forget about other things and be creative at the same time. For me, it's a little bit, I like going out in the yard and kind of doing my, yeah. zen, my zen gardening. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. I really should probably get into bonsai, you know, but I, I bonsai things like rhododendrons, like big bushes. You yeah. Know? So. It's funny you say that. I actually just bought my wife a bonsai tree for our anniversary. Perfect. Because uh, I thought that would be a really interesting kind of project and thing to have around. Yeah, yeah that's really yeah. interesting. Yeah, well, whatever works. That's the most important mm -hmm. thing. So let me give you an introduction. Michael May is a performer and filmmaker and is best known for hosting, creating, and executive producing the Dossier's autobiography and its spinoff autobiography, Cold Cases, for Motor Trend TV. Told you this is going to be a bit Hollywood-ish. He, he previously <laughs> ran the media company Fun Size Horror, where he produced hundreds of hours of digital content, feature films, and TV shows. Michael recently started his own production company, Convergent Content. Ooh, sounds mysterious. Where he's been actively developing content for TV, film, and for podcasts. Currently, he's uh, directing a feature film that will come out later this year and hosts the automotive theme podcast, Fuel for the Future, 
for America's Automotive Trust, which you'll remember is related to the LeMay Museum right down the road from me, which you can find on every podcast platform. We'll be back in just a moment, but first a word from our sponsors. Give them a little listen, and we'll be right back. Are you ready to take charge of your financial future? Then let me introduce you to Capitalize Your Finances. It's an online course designed to empower you with the knowledge and tools for mastering your money. This course will help you lay out the ins and outs of budgeting, the importance of emergency funds, investing strategies, and how to plan for a secure retirement. All this presented by financial planner Chris Paniotu. Chris has developed this course to help you effectively navigate your world of finance, with confidence. Stop stressing about money and start taking control. Enroll in Capitalize Your Finance online course today and pave your way to financial success. To learn more, go to CapitalizePodcast.com slash courses, or better yet, go to the Cars yeah website show notes page for today's show and click on the link under Capitalize Your Finances. You'll be glad you did. Do it today. Hey, guess what? Some of you regular listeners will remember back in 2019, I created uh, 10, 11 shows called Cars Yeah TV, where I went to some fabulous locations of past Cars Yeah guests, and we did a TV show about it. Well, they're up on the Cars Yeah YouTube channel. So go check it out at YouTube. Just type in Cars Yeah, and the shows will be there for you to enjoy. I hope you have fun watching. So, Michael, I want to go back in time first before we talk about this new business and what you're doing now for America's Automotive Trust. How did you get into this field? And even more importantly, how did it relate to your passion? Because I understand you're a bit of a car guy, too. Otherwise, our talk's over. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, boy, that's a blowing, isn't it? Uh, how that relates to your passion for cars and how you've tied some of this together. That is a great way to ask that question, Mark. So I grew up always wanting to make movies. That's been my passion since before I can remember. And my father and my older brother are both huge car fanatics. And when I was a kid, my my dad started collecting sort of Americana classics of, you know, the, the appropriate kind of cars for his generation that he grew up with. And my brother, when he was, I don't even think he had had a license yet, really got interested in racing and automobiles and anything relating to driving. So I just grew up around cars. And my brother even started buying and selling classics when he was probably 18, 19 years old. He got he really got into that. And I was more focused on like, I want to act and direct and blah, 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 and, you know, <laughs> all this hoity-toity stuff. And I, I moved to Los Angeles when I was 18 to pursue all of that. And I would go up to Pebble Beach, the concourse, every year. I'd drive up and I'd meet my family and we'd hang out and go to car shows and everything else. And I started to notice that automobiles had everything I like about what I'm involved with, which is storytelling. Great storytelling. There's, and I mean that in a broad sense, it could be an emotional connection that someone has to their first car. And that doesn't have to be a classic or an expensive car. Or it could be the history behind an automobile or an automobile company or a designer. I'm a big history nerd. So I started to really gravitate towards the history of automobiles. And, and it occurred to me that I could probably find a way to make content and be a filmmaker and and have that connect to automobiles. And so I started at a young age just filming stuff. Like I would film car events or I'd film short little sales videos for auction companies or branded content and kind of grew. And then I'd started to get hired for some of that. 
And then I started to develop documentaries and TV shows that I thought would be interesting in the automotive field. And because my interest is more on that storytelling aspect, I really wanted to develop stuff different than other car shows you see on TV. I wanted to develop stuff that everybody would enjoy, not just car people. And I ended up, I was pitching autobiography. I came up with the idea for that. And it, and it went through some changes over the years, but I think I was pitching that for like 10 years before we finally got that made. And that's a good representation of me trying to combine my love of history, also my love of mystery, because there is a true crime and mystery aspect to autobiography. So I wanted to combine my love of that with automobiles and converge those ideas and get it made. So I hope that's a good way to answer that question. But I, I just found this storytelling aspect behind cars very interesting. And I don't think a lot of people have utilized that in the right way. I think some people do and some shows do. And even like the Formula One NASCAR show did an amazing job of finding an emotional connection that made it a broad appeal to people and sort of pursue it that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting and fun. And I believe the automotive sector and the automotive industry, the automotive passion, you mentioned Pebble Beach, all those things really are unique outside of a lot of other career paths. And I've had people say this, that don't work in the careers in the field of cars, but they love them. And they've said in my business, and well, I sell sinks or manufacture yeah. toilets, you know, he goes, you know, it's not that, not that interesting and people don't really converge on it, but cars are different and cars bring us all together. And when you add the storytelling, as you were mentioning, that's an entirely uh, more fun additional item that brings people together. And if we, even if we don't have anything in common, you can walk up to somebody in a car show, talk to them about their car and you don't know anything about them. You don't even really need to know that much about their socioeconomic or political background or whatever it might be that might divide us as it does in this world. But the cars bring us together. And that's Absolutely. the fun part. It, it is the fun part. And I, I remember being at Pebble Beach. I was probably 20 years old or so. And this is maybe like 2005 or six or something like that. And I, I one of the preservation class cars, I don't remember which one it was. I don't remember who owned it. I just remember being fascinated by this very old automobile that has had no work done to it. And it's falling apart and the like material and the chairs is rotted away. And the owner's like, I don't want to change anything. It still drives. I'm going to keep it going. And I was just like, wow, like everything kind of connected in my head of like, this is amazing. Like this is the most fascinating thing I've ever seen before. And it, I just remember kind of, yeah, a lot of, a lot of my interest in automobiles kind of connected at that point. And, and it is, you can talk to anybody, doesn't matter who you are, everybody relates to it. Even people that think they aren't car people, you can talk to them about their first car and they'll go into a long story about it. They're super passionate and they remember all the details to it. And it is. And, and that's really kind of why I wanted to develop more content for automobiles. So I am trying to pitch things and make things. And like you mentioned, Fuel for the Future, the podcast I'm doing with America's Automotive Trust, it's a way for me to continue to explore interesting stories in the automotive world. And we're going to try to do everything. It could be interviews. We want to talk about events. We want to go through the history of things. And we did a we did like four or five episodes late last year just to kind of test the waters 
And now we're going to start, we're ramping back up and we're going to be in production soon and have a ton of episodes this year. So that's a, that's a big focus for work for me this year is fuel for the future. So will that all be podcasts or will there be video content with those? So right now the plan is just podcast, but the door is open to add video content from time to time. I don't think it would be all the time. Um, and that's one of the wonderful things about podcast, as I'm sure you're aware, is there's no rules. Like you can kind of morph and change. And I know you also had a TV show of cars. Yeah. So there's a lot of different things you can do with it and you can kind of go with the flows and see what happens. Absolutely. So with the podcast, and I've got a long history with LeMay Museum, mm -hmm. which is part of America's Automotive Trust, goes all the way back to when I moved to the Pacific Northwest 30 years ago and I met Harold LeMay mm -hmm. and his wife, Nancy. In fact, I had lunch at their house, and which is, was quite... I came out of that going, you know, this guy was a trash collector. I think he, he just brought all the trash home and they just kept it all because yep. the collections in that home blew me away. And they, you know, Nancy said, we have this dream of this museum. Yeah. And that was a long decades coming before that museum came to fruition and was actually built. In fact, I'm uh, heading there tomorrow uh, for an event nice, in the morning nice. with the Porsche Club. So, so the podcast, can you tell me a little bit about... Uh, maybe some of the first show concepts. You touched on that a little bit of just an example of maybe somebody that you spoke to or what you talked about. Yeah. So it, I was talking to uh, David Madeira, who I'm sure you're, you know, and he's, uh, I can't remember his exact title now. So I, I don't want to like misquote it's it. It's evolved and moved around, but he, it's like, I always say with David in America's Trust and uh, Automotive Trust in LeMay, is every time he's tried to leave, they've yanked him. They back. bring him back. Yep, yeah. exactly. I, I, I think he sleeps in the basement is what I think. He probably does. <laughs> uh, but uh, no, I was talking to him and, and I've been working on some other podcasts and really getting interested in, in that world of content creation. And it, I, listen, I listen to more podcasts than I do watch TV or movies. So I was like, That's maybe there's something to, to this. Maybe I should get into it. And, and so I started working on podcasts and David and I were talking about ideas. And I was like, look, if, if we're going to do a podcast, for America's Automotive Trust. Everything we do has to be representative of the mission of America's Automotive Trust, which is sort of that preservation and education and excitement around automobiles and automobile history. And we wanted to look towards the future a bit. Like we can tell stories from the past and old cars, but what's the what's an optimistic or positive outlook for the future of the world as it relates to automobiles? And and also I want stories to be interesting. I don't just want to like go into some guy's garage and be like, oh, it's a 67 Mustang. Cool. Right. Let's talk about it. That's like been, I actually want it done over and over and it's over been again. done over and over and over again. And also I just thought that's not the best way to represent it. You can still do an amazing show doing that, but let's find some other interesting things. I love history. So like, let's tell some story, old stories. So we did uh, an episode, one of our test episodes was about the great race of 1909. And that was when they raced from New York to Paris. And it was, I'm going to misremember all of my information, but I think it was five cars and uh, we tied it into a current day event that was happening where they, they don't go from New York to Paris, but they do a big long road trip and cars and they get students involved and just kind of covering the history of that race, which is fascinating, but also a modern event 
where young people and youth and students are also getting involved with classic cars. And so that's just one example. And so looking towards this year, we, we're doing all sorts of things, but we want to talk to collectors. We want to do, I want to do something just about the history of car shows or concours events. I don't know specifically what that will be yet, but I do want to look at like, how did that start? Was it all drive-ins and people getting together with cars and really look at like the evolution of car shows. And also there's a, a series we want to do within the podcast called This Day in Automotive History, where we want to find some important or interesting events throughout automotive history that we talk about and have that episode come out on the day that it, it happened. Yeah. So that's just a, that's a, hopefully <laughs> that wasn't too much of a tangent, but that's a, a broad example of stories we'll be doing. Oh, no, sounds wonderful. Sounds spectacular. I think a lot of this is history of automobile and bringing out things that people don't know about. You know, right. Think of right. something very simple as the concept of a trunk that we look at today. Every car has a trunk or a back hatch, yeah. you know, and where did that originally come from? And the fact that they actually put a trunk on the back of a car. And, yeah. and for young people today, I would know that because of my history with cars. But some people would go, they did that? What? Or, <laughs> you know, the trunk that went on the stagecoach, right? Yeah. And a way absolutely. to carry things. So, yeah, absolutely yeah, fascinating. I, I went to, I can't, I can't remember where I was, but I was at some car show, car event. And I was with my my little son. I have a seven-year-old and he must have been five or so at the time. And we saw early 20th century car that it looked like a carriage, carriage type car. And he did not understand it at all. And so I had to like talk to him about the history of like, well, think about what people were riding around in before cars. So sure enough, when cars got started, this is the way they were designed. This is how they, you know, they built things on it. And, and, uh, yeah, it's fat. I love stuff like that. I just get really passionate about those kind of things. I think it's important. I know the museum is big on that, of bringing young people into the hobby, into the concepts. Mm -hmm. I started taking my son to Pebble Beach when he was eight, and uh, he's thirty now. So, but he got into the brass era because he just oh, nice. found it so fascinating that yeah. they had these brass lanterns on the outside of the car yeah. that had to light with a match to make absolutely. A, you know, and and I went. You know, I'm not really into those cars. They're okay, but it's not my thing. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. And he, because he just thought it was so fascinating. So it's a, it's a wonderful, yeah, wonderful thing to do. I always like to ask my guests about what inspires them, or, or more importantly, an influential person in their life that was really uh, a key promoter of your passion. And we can stick on the car theme here, which makes sense. But if you want to go back to video, audio, whatever. That would be fine too. But do you have one of those influential people in your life? You know, it's it's honestly, it's kind of a tough question because I feel like there's a lot. There's a lot. I've had teachers that have have been big influences on me. I went to art school because I wanted to pursue acting and, and film and everything. And I went to art school and I had teachers and professors and uh, there that I I found very inspiring that were kind of like mentors in a way. No one specifically in the car field, but I will I will mention my my father because he's he's always been there and he has sort of undying support and always has good advice and has dealt with a lot in, in his life and and kind of knows how to navigate things. And so I, I think having having support from a father throughout all the different weird variations and working in entertainment, this is not a good business. I don't want my son to get into entertainment. It's terrible. It's uh, um, it's brutal. Yeah, it's, it's brutal. Uh, my little foray into TV is like, uh, I don't yep, want to be yep. in this industry. Yeah. 
Absolutely. But he's always, you know, he's always shown support. And, and like, I've, like I said, at the top of the show, I, I've known what I've wanted to do my whole life. Like I really have, I've always wanted to make movies and TV and everything. And, uh, I've never stopped, which I think is the only way I've survived is that I don't know how to do anything else. And I just kind of don't give up, but yeah, having, having his support is big. So I know that's not specific to cars, but he, he's very supportive and he's into cars. So that definitely had an influence, whether I'm aware of it or not. (laughs) It's a very common theme here is fathers, grandfathers, uh, family members that have been real supportive of Industries like yours, which are, is very mm-hmm. difficult, uh, very, very yeah. difficult. I mean, you look at the number of movies and videos that are made and the very small percentage of real superstars in the industry. And the rest is just all of the surrounding support people and then the even further. And, yeah. and I, I guess that's why you see a lot of turmoil in that industry, especially among actors. But I had a good friend that worked behind the camera in Hollywood for many mm-hmm. years, and it finally just chewed him up. And he just yeah. he goes, I can't do this anymore. And he left and it caused alcoholism and depression and all because it was just one minute you're up. It's kind of like this major sports. One minute you're a champ. The next minute, everybody dislikes you. And to have the resilience to stay with it, I, I commend you for that. Well, yeah. I said, well, thank you. I, I think it's a little bit of just blind ignorance or <laughs> being a little stupid. But uh, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm very passionate about it. So I, I feel like. I always have a good attitude and I think without trying, that's kind of how I've survived because I, I just, I get excited about things and I, you know, I've always wanted to do it, but yeah, it's a lot of highs and a lot of lows, more lows than highs. And that's true for even the bigger people. I have friends that are, you know, movie stars and stuff and they'll say the same thing. They'll sometimes be like, people don't realize I haven't worked in two years. Yes. Right. I just booked another thing, but like I wrote a, wrote a big wave and then couldn't get a job for a long time. And, right. We see yeah. it all the time. It, it's a, a real struggle. Struggle. Well, speaking of struggles, I always ask about a big challenge you faced that you overcame. And what's more important about this question is I think how we look at challenges instead of failures as learning experiences. Is there one? I'm sure there's been many because of what we just discussed. One in particular, <laughs> that, not that you're a complete failure, Michael. You're not. Boy, that sounded bad. But one, one big challenge you face, you can look back down and go, you know, I am kind of happy I went through that. Taught me some really valuable things. You know, you j- well, you just made me think about it because of the conversation we had. This is not a, a crazy story, but um, I kind of wish it was just to be dramatic. But uh, we we made autobiography for Motor Trend TV. We did a couple of seasons of that. We did a spinoff show uh, called Autobiography Cold Cases, which was basically a COVID show. Like we had to come up with something to do during COVID. And um I was very fortunate to work on these, but because I worked in TV for a handful of years consistently on those shows, I thought, surely I can get other shows made instantaneously. We'll wrap, the shows will end, I'll have two more shows on the air by the end of next year. And I had meetings and pitches and develop stuff and got to film sizzle reels and all these things that you go through. And then nothing happened. And it's been like two years since we wrapped the end of those shows. And it definitely was talking about the highs and lows. It was it was a low. And I I wouldn't call that a failure. I think that's that's probably more of just getting hit with the realization of you do go through those big highs and lows in this business. And I think the learning lesson, which again, I just kind of fell into it, but just trying to create content. That's what it's about in, in 
any sort of creative field now is you have to create. You have to create, whether it be a podcast like Cars Yeah, or Fuel for the Future, or write a book or whatever it is. These days, in order to survive this business, you have to create. And and I think because I didn't get any shows going, I didn't get any movies made right away, that it forced me to spend more time on figuring out what I wanted to do. I think that's where Fuel for the Future came because that's a, a concept I'm passionate about. Instead of trying to box in and create an idea that I think someone else will buy, I'm just creating my own thing. Um, same with a movie I just worked on. It was just a passion project that I was like, let's just make something. And I found a way to make it happen. So I feel like my learning lesson through that is there's going to be lows. But when there's lows, make sure you're thinking about what you want to do, what are you passionate about, and put time into your passion and I think something will eventually happen. You know, like the world works in those ways where if you're doing something you're passionate about, something will be drawn to that and something could get made. Makes sense to me. The great thing is we are living in a very unique time and have been, and it continues with AI that almost, I would say everybody can be creative in some way. And it is much easier now to create content, the likes of YouTube and other streaming services that never existed before. Uh, mm -hmm. if, you, if you couldn't get into Hollywood or television, you couldn't make things that people could see. There was no way for them to see them. And I follow, right. I don't really watch much TV anymore, but I do enjoy some series on YouTube of what people do. And I look at what they've done and then knowing what it takes, I go, how are they doing this? Now, people have said that about me. How the hell have you been doing five shows a week yeah. for 10 years? Yeah. You're crazy. Yeah, a little bit. But uh, And I've also seen them go through their lows, and they've been very transparent. And in the case of two I follow that have hit about a 10-year mark, they're like, this is like, I, you know, they go through a depression. They go through a, yeah. I've got to take a break from this. It's unrelenting. It, it never stops. Unlike when you work for somebody, you get vacations. Yeah. And you can just leave and not think about it. But there's no stopping because we all know if you don't keep producing, people go, oh, there's another shiny object, the squirrel Absolutely. syndrome. You yeah. know? I'm over here yeah. now. Wait, you used to do what? Cars? Yeah, I haven't seen you in a month. I forgot about you. Now I'm yeah. listening to Michael. So, yeah. It's uh, it's an interesting uh, conundrum. It is. It is. But I think I think passion I think passion is something that that can draw people in. And that's why I say like I think if people focus on what they really want to do, I think something will happen. There may be a lot of work, there may be a lot of, you know, failures along the way, but I think that'll eventually draw to something. And something I've always liked, and I'm not saying this to kiss your ass or anything, but like one of the things I've always liked about your work is you are not only knowledgeable about automobiles, but you've always had a very sincere passion for things. So like when you walk into a room and there's, you know, a Bugatti you like, it's like it, it you know, there's there's mm -hmm. sincere passion and knowledge that comes from it. And I think that's interesting for people that aren't just car people. And I'm just using you as the example of like if someone is really into collecting stamps and they want to make a YouTube channel, do it and right. make sure that their passion for stamps comes across because even people that don't care about collecting stamps, like most people, <laughs> they're going to see something interesting within that because of the passion behind it. You touched on a really golden nugget there for anybody listening that wants to go out and do something on your own. I did that. I was advised by a very, very successful podcaster to niche down to my passion. He's yeah, more of a yeah. generalist business podcaster. He's done amazingly well financially and everything else. I mean, millions of downloads every month. I mean, just spectacular. And so that's what I did. And, and he said, Mark, be yourself. Just simply be yourself. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't copy some other person. And it's hard to do sometimes because you see successful people and you go, well, I, I guess I have to be like that. 
No, just do that thing. But I appreciate your words because it makes it easier and it makes it more fun so that when you're late night editing shows or weekends yep. when everybody's, hey, Mark, come to the game. I can't. Yep. I got to get these done. Then at least you like what you're doing because it's in a field that you're happy with. I always say that don't buy a car because you think it'll be worth something. Buy it because you love it. Because if it isn't exactly. worth something down the road, at least you still have the car to enjoy because you exactly. love it. And you didn't buy a Mustang because you heard Mustangs are going up in value, but you really are not a Mustang guy. So it's it's really important. And speaking of Mustangs and cars, I always ask this question. Nice segue there. A special vehicle <laughs> story. <laughs> you know, I always find a way to weave in there. Yeah, I guess. yeah. That was great. <laughs> Is, uh, a special vehicle story. Is there one special car in your life? You know, there's there's a lot, and I have a lot of good stories. Even before I did a TV show about cars, but the TV show definitely gave me a lot of incredible, incredible stories that I'll never forget. But one that really jumps to mind is the one of my favorite cars is uh, the Shelby Daytona Coupe, the prototype, the first, the first built Daytona that uh, Pete Brock designed that they had to build what it was it 90 days that they had to build that car, and this is what 64 I think that they were working on it, and um, I, I've known about that car for a long time. I've read about it. And then on my TV show and autobiography, we did an episode about it because that that one, again, the prototype uh, went through a crazy weird story where it disappeared and Phil Spector owned it for a while and all this crazy stuff happened with it. So I know all this information about this car. I love the car. I love the history. And then fortunately, Dr. Fred Simeone, who people in the car world will know, RIP passed away recently. Fred Simeone was very kind to let me go and film the car and talk to him about it. And then we got to drive it. And I, look, I would have loved to drive the car, but Dr. Simeone, he, it's his, he wanted to drive it. That's sure, great. Of course. But I got to ride in it. And nice. being able to be in this car that I just spent months researching and then writing and then filming and then editing and also knew about before even the TV show happened. And it just really hit me in an incredible way to be in that car riding around and just having a blast and also feeling how hot. There's a lot of stories about that car being super hot when you're inside it and riding it. Oh, my. It was like an oven. I was in it for oh, like yeah. 20 minutes and it was like an oven. How people rode, drove it for 24, 24 hours. hours. I, yeah. I have no idea. Um, but that just it was an incredible experience and one that I'll I'll never forget. Very cool. Yeah. Dr. Simeon was a guest on my show a while back and mm. I've since had the museum's director. In fact, they just reached out to me yesterday. Funny you mentioned them because when you said the car, I went, I know where that car is. Yep. Yep. And uh, they just reached out. They have a new person working there that wants to be a guest. And nice. yeah, I was really lucky. I got to spend a weekend. Uh, I'm friends with Peter Brock and his wife, Gail. They used to live mm -hmm. up here in the Northwest. And my wife and I were invited to come down and spend a weekend with them in Henderson, stay at their home. And we're sitting out on his deck at night watching the twinkle lights of Las Vegas in the distance. And so I just started asking him questions about working with Carol Shelby and the Daytona. And, you know, it was one of those surreal moments in life where I go, how did I get here? I'm talking with the guy that <laughs> designed that car and all the little idiosyncrasies and the fact that they sent it off to be built in, mm -hmm. in Europe. And then it came back and he goes, what the hell did they do? This isn't, you know, well, you know, the Italians, we want to, we thought it would look good or with this. And he goes, no, 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 no. What are you doing? You know, that, that will make it slower on the Mulsanne straight. Yeah. And all these little components, it, it was really spectacular. And then the next morning, they had two of the the new versions of Daytona mm -hmm, that he mm -hmm. designed. And so Gail drove my wife and Peter drove me to a Cars and Coffee in Henderson. And to again, to drive up to a Cars and Coffee with Peter Brock in a Daytona coupe. My, oh my God, that'd be amazing. You know, I'm like, <laughs> how, how did I get here? Yeah. 
Yeah. There's the car world for you. You know, it just brings people yeah. together. So I'm a, I'm a bit of a car psychologist. I have a special uh, degree hanging on my wall. Uh, I made it out of Photoshop and InDesign, so don't tell anybody. But it's very official looking. <laughs> if I were to crawl into your head and ask you, what kind of vehicle would you be if you were manifest or reincarnated, pun intended, what would you be and why? I'll be very honest. I thought about this because I know your show. Big fan of your show. And I was like, I got to put some thought into this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably the most, aside from the challenge question, the most difficult tr question because everybody goes back to what they want to be. And that's not the question. No. And, and here's what I came up with. I think it's a very honest interpretation right. of me, but it would be a, uh, a VW Beetle, sort of the okay. mid-60s, somewhere in there. And the reason being is, A, I, I do like Beetles and I love VWs, but it's fun to drive. <laughs> yeah. uh it can get beat up and it's it's fine it it's easy going. to fix it keeps going it's it, kind of unpretentious and super fun to drive and also you can it's easy to kind of modify it it's easy to kind of do whatever you want with you know a vw engine or chassis or whatever and uh that's kind of that's where i ended up so i don't know what that says about me per se but <laughs> I, that's where i ended up and i do have a fascination with like small european cars i just i've always loved those so it, it still is a car that i like but it's not what i would my my instinct would want to jump to when yeah. i initially thought of it yeah no i think you did a good job there michael and the other thing i'll say having spoken with you now for a half hour or so is very likable you're a very likable person and the vw oh, beetle you, is one you. of those cars that makes everybody smile when it pulls up um, yeah even to this day you drive up in an old beetle anywhere to a gas station people have a story about a beetle because everybody had Absolutely. one back in the day and if it's a young person they're like what kind of car is that? <laughs> you know, I had, we had a 914 Porsche for a while in our family, and um, we would I'd go to the gas station. I can't tell you how many people would come over and go, what is that? And I'd yeah, say, exactly, a Porsche. Yeah. And they'd go, no, this isn't a Porsche. What? Because they had never seen it before. Same with the VW thing. You know, yeah, that was that, yeah. that unique. In fact, my son wants one of those now. And I was like, why do you want one of those? And he goes, oh, I love them. I love Dad, em. when we went down to John Wilhoit's shop in Long Beach, and I was about nine years, eight, nine years old, he picked us up in a VW thing and drove us back to his shop and we were driving on the freeway with the top down and he had a 911 engine in the back of that thing. And, and he goes, I just always remember that. It was like so crazy. And then we got, I, I bought a 550 Spider and we drove that back to Washington, to our home up here, 1500 miles. And he goes, that whole week is just like this, this oh, I bet. surreal. So yeah, but the yeah. Beetle, everybody well, loves a Beetle. Yeah, well, let me tell you a quick story about the thing, not to go on a, a tangent here for you. But a, so we, during the first season of Autobiography, we had an episode that we had to come up with at the last minute. We we were going to do some, I don't even remember what it was, but some historically significant car that we were going to do a story of. And then we find out we can't film it or something happened. And we're like, okay, we got to come up with something else very quickly. And uh, my co-host and co-creator of the show, Tim Donahue, uh, had suggested trying to do, uh, trying to come up with a story about these cars that have gone off what's called Dead Man's Curve up on Mulholland Drive oh, sure, in yeah. LA. Because street racing up there was very prolific in the 60s and 70s and probably part of the 80s as well before it kind of died I out. I think it might still happen today. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does. You actually will hear cars up there, but it's just they're a little safer about it yeah. now. And there's more homes and stuff. But there are cars that have gone off that cliff that mm -hmm. it just it costs too much for the city to go out and, and clean up and take. So you can find old cars along these hiking trails and the woods and the cliffside there. And so we went out to find those and we made that an episode. And I 
like kind of famously for people that have seen autobiography, there's an old VW saying in the ground that we came across, like right off a hiking trail. Oh, wow. But it's like partly buried and people have painted on it. And I incorrectly came up with what it was. I don't even remember what I thought it was, but I thought it was something else. And Tim, my co-host is like, no, it looks like a VW to me. Like, you could look at these and look at that. And he starts pointing it out. And sure enough, very quickly, I'm like, oh, you're right. This is a thing. But it's TV and it's more interesting to have one of the hosts not know what it is. So we kept this in that like I misidentified it and then I corrected in like a scene later. I'm like, all right, I was an idiot. It was a VW thing. Do a little bit about the thing. But we get comments or and I've gotten like direct messages on Instagram and stuff from people being like, oh, you're such an idiot. You didn't oh. know what that was. <laughs> yeah. And people, <laughs> there's a ton of comments. It's like, yeah. yes, I know. But it was like three seconds before I realized it was a VW. But on TV, it looks like. I never knew what it was. But no, I love those cars. Those are some of my, my favorite automobiles as yeah, well. Yeah, quite unique for sure. So how about great books? We love books here on Cars. Yeah, is there a book you could recommend? Yeah, well, a car one is, uh, sm- is it Blood and Smoke? I think it's called Blood and Smoke. It's a story about the the first Indy 500. Oh, okay. And uh, that is a story that I should do a podcast or a show or documentary about. I'm absolutely fascinated with the first Indy 500. For those that don't know, it is an incredible story. And also who won is still up for debate to this to this yeah, day. Yeah. But uh, blood, I think it's called Blood and Smoke. You can look that up. I, I feel bad because now I'm forgetting the author's name, but it is, it's a well-written book. It's not just for car people. It's a really fascinating book for anybody and a great story. Have you read that by any chance? Yes, I have that on my shelf, a book by Charles Learson. And nice. it's really worth a read because you think about the Indy 500, a lot of people, when they go back and look at those first races, in fact, I got to spend a day on a tour in an Indy 500 race car that raced in the second Indianapolis 500. And it made you realize that those guys were crazy uh, because <laughs> I thought I was going to die around every corner we went around. Yes, now, yes. the driver actually still races that car to this day. He's part of the old-time racers that show up at places like Ironstone and the Pebble Beach uh, historic races, Monterey historic races at Laguna Seca. But uh, mm-hmm. Those guys were, yeah, at daring young men in their flying machines, uh, for oh sure. So, yeah, I could never do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's never. a great, great book. So before I let you go today, I'm going to enable you to go on the ultimate drive, which means I'm going to spend a little money. I'm going to park anything you'd like in your driveway. You can take it anywhere you want, and you can go with anybody, including somebody from the past. So where Ooh. are you going today? What are you going to be in? So <laughs> just because I'm I'm a dork and I think it would be funny, <laughs> I want to take one of the the original minis. Okay, I go in a mini. Yeah, which I've only ridden it. I've never driven one, but I've all, I've always loved them. I hopefully I would buy one. Honestly, if my wife would let me, I would buy one. <laughs> um, but I would take a mini, and probably because we're watching Yellowstone right now in my house, I would go through like Montana, something beautiful and scenic with hills and mountains and valleys, especially if I'm in a mini, because then I would be around just tons of trucks on the road. And I think that would be hilarious if I'm riding around <laughs> in a mini up there. Uh, though it, w- it would handle it. And I would take, I didn't think about the past, but but what I was thinking of when you first asked is uh, the most fun I would have is probably with Tim Donahue, who is my co-host and creator of autobiography shows, uh, just because he's he's a good friend. He, Tim is the funniest person on the planet. I don't think it ever comes across on TV well, but he's hilarious. And he's also 18 feet tall. So putting him in a, <laughs> in mini, a mini Cooper yeah. or a long ride would just be, it would be endless, endless fun. And what we would talk about, I don't think we would necessarily talk about anything important, but Tim and I typically talk about, we talk about some car stuff. 
he's a big Ferrari fanatic, so he'll just throw Ferrari info at me like crazy. But we would probably talk about desserts and remodeling homes. Those are the two things we talk about the most. <laughs> okay, well, see, we're back to the beginning, baking desserts. Baking, baking yeah, and yeah. making stuff. But yeah. no, he's he loves because uh, I need to do some remodeling in my house and he loves stuff like that, too. So we, we talk about those thing, in, things endlessly. Mini Cooper's the originals. We've had two of the newer in our family. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the originals, when I was in college, I had a roommate and his good friend had a Mini Cooper. and He brought it over one day. And I think I was 19 at the time living in Pacific Beach, California. Oh, and yeah. uh, he said, have you ever driven one of these? And I'm kind of looking at it like. This is the weirdest, you know, the little tiny engine. Yep, it's got to yep. be as slow as a slug. And he goes, oh, no, no. And so we drove it up to Mount Soledad, the cross at the top of Mount Soledad. In oh, wow, there. wow. And I didn't want to get out of that. It was just like, yeah. a, it was like a go-kart. It was just so much fun. I mean, came back with a big grin on my face, thinking that even about it now it makes me smile. So that would be uh, most fun for sure. Yeah. A little original Mini Cooper. You've taken us on a wonderful ride today, Michael. I want to thank you. And I want to shout out to our mutual friend, uh, Nick Ellis from RPM Foundation. He's the one that put mm-hmm. us together. So, Nick, thank you. He's he brought many, many guests. And you know... You regular listeners know that um, they are one of my charities of choice, the RPM Foundation, the great work that they do there. So check it out. Put a link on Michael's show notes page. Could you leave us with some words of inspiration, wisdom? Oh, oh, putting me on the spot, All day long. All day long. Oh, geez. Well, you know, just because it ties into stuff we've talked about, I would say, you know, if you're passionate about something, focus on doing it. And I don't even mean necessarily as a career unless you want to, but just, you know, if, if you like baking, <laughs> bake as much as you can, because that's where a lot of fun and things will happen. For sure. And I like your little uh, tie in there, focus on it, a guy who's behind a camera and in front of a camera. So nicely done. Nice. Uh, how can people learn more about Fuel for the Future and also Convergent Convergent. Yes. Uh, Convergent content, there's not much to learn per se. That's just my production company and I'm trying to develop and produce things with. We don't have a website or anything. So I guess the best thing to do is look up Fuel for the Future on on whatever listening app you use for podcast. You can go ahead and subscribe and follow that because we do have some episodes out. But again, more will be forthcoming this year. Uh, and you can also find out more about the America's Automotive Trust uh, on their website, which I think is americasautomotivetrust.com. Yep, absolutely.org, no, I believe. But I'll, yeah. I'll put a link to that. Um, yeah, Thank you very much. Oh, of course. They've been mentioned many times. I've got ties going back to that group from way back to the beginning. Uh, we mentioned David Madeira and, uh, yeah, the LeMays. And like I said, I'll be at the museum tomorrow morning. Michael, this has been fun. We could talk for hours. I appreciate you spending time with me today. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you. You're welcome. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com.
Today's vehicles are essentially computers on wheels, and it takes more than a wrench and oil to keep them humming. That's why Cars Yeah! supports TechForce Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to driving tomorrow's workforce of skilled technicians forward. Techs keep our cars, trucks, airplanes, and fleets rolling. Yet there's a massive tech shortage because many young people don't know it's no longer a blue-collar job. Today, it's a new-collar career. It involves computers, technology, it's in high demand, you get paid really well, and you can live and work anywhere in the country. I know you're passionate about cars, trucks, and motorcycles, and you can help pass that passion on to the next generation of techs so our rides keep rolling down the road. Visit techforce.org today and learn how. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.